thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Hey, it's great to see everybody today. Hey, can we give a big hand to 210 Dream Teamers serving at Bold Conference this week? Thank you, everybody. So beautiful. I'm going to talk about bold in just a moment, but before we do that, I want to give you a few announcements. First of all, uh, happy July 4th week, everybody. Thank you so much for coming to church today. Give yourself a hand for being here today, all right? (laughs) If you're new to Radiant, we're so glad that you're here today and uh, excited about uh, you joining us. Hey, um, one more announcement we have. uh, I just want to put on your radar. uh, We have Flourish coming up for all the ladies in September, September 9th. And so we did that for the first time and it was amazing. And so Jossie Stern, uh, many of you know, Pastor Aaron Stern, one of our overseers, uh, she's going to be with us. But if you wouldn't mind putting that on your calendar, September 9th, it'll be from 10 to 2 and uh, it's going to be a great time. Um, But just want to kind of do a save the date uh, because that's coming up here in September. And um, I want to just go back and talk a little bit about what God did this week. Um, It's pretty amazing. I feel like one of the things that the Lord's called us to do uh, in the month of June is to just go all in on serving the next generation. And one of the things we saw uh, with Camp Radiant, as well as Bold Conference, is we saw young people give their life to Jesus. Uh, We saw this week. Guys, I just want you to know, some of you that are new to the church, you're wondering, what exactly is this? because some have wondered, is this a camp that we do for a denomination? No, this, we're, we're a new church, we're a portable church, and God is doing something supernatural. I mean, we're, sorry, we're in the middle right now. Sorry, man, this is the announcements. This is gonna be a long day. Uh, we're, we're in the middle of something where God, um, it's like we're riding a wave. It's like, we're, it's like we caught a wave and, and, and we're going after um, helping young people form identity in Jesus, in their youth, um, in a culture that is telling them a different story. And so um, I I just, I I think it's amazing. I think the fact that our our, our church had over a thousand teenagers from all these states from across the country come is pretty powerful. And I just want to thank you. I want to thank you because um, not only did you serve, but you gave. Many of you uh, wrote checks beyond your tithe, specifically for Bold Conference to help make it happen. And um, we had so many of you. I mean, 210 people is eight adults. That's not counting the over 100 teenagers. That's just from our church, 210. From, that's a significant percentage of our church, everybody. And so for you to take vacation time um, is, and, and go serve at, our, at, at this conference was really powerful and amazing. I think that... Uh, I think God is working uh, just supernaturally, uh, and, and I watched um, specifically this week. I felt like from the sessions uh, to just what I felt like the Lord was putting in my heart, um, that this is something that uh, it's, I almost felt like the Lord's smile is the way to say it. It's almost like I felt like, um, like we're, we're in a moment where we have become, we have taken steps to become the vision that God's called us uh, to. And, and so it's, my, my message today is, this is not really an exor- exhortation, today is a celebration. I don't know if you can do that in preaching world, but I'm going to. Uh, because I don't feel like really exhorting us as much as celebrating, look what the Lord has done. I just, I just to me, to see, um, I saw many businessmen in our church that were standing at security uh, uh, that's businessman. That's code word for businessman right there. Um, knowing, and I know what they do for a living, and I know that they've given up their week to serve kids or to, uh, to, to empty trailers. Um, saw so many different ladies in our church um, serving, whether from a microphone. Um, I just, and it, just, it just was incredible to me um, because it's, it's something that the Lord's called us to do. It's something that we began to just sow seeds in. Like, okay, we're just going to go do this, God, and we'll just kind of raise a flag and, and start going for it. And now I feel like it's just, we can feel just the, just the breath of God, just the Holy Spirit um, working. And so 
today, uh, my aim more than, um, <laughs> it's almost like after a victory, um, like a sports victory, like you go into the locker room and you just celebrate. Well, there'll be no alcohol this morning, but, uh, but I, that's what I'm feeling in my heart. I'm just feeling like, yes, like, like God is at work. And, and, and so I feel like the Lord um, is, is using us in a unique way. And I just want to continue that. I want us to continue as we served uh, the next generation. And then here in a couple of weeks, we'll serve the city but I feel like we're, I, we're becoming uh, the identity of a servant. Um, got a long ways to go. Jesus is our hero. We're trying to be more like Jesus. Jesus is our perfect example of, of what it looks like to serve. But I feel like we, we have taken such big steps. Uh, as many of you know, I, I, I worked in youth ministry for 20 years, um, from 1995 to 2015, uh, before we moved to Kansas City in 2016. And, um, and, and I just want you to know that that the percentage of your, you giving your time, your talent, and your treasure towards this is off the charts, record-breaking. And so, um, anyway, I know that uh, this is like a, a long attaboy, but um, just, can we just, can we just give Jesus a shout out one more time for what he's doing through you? So beautiful. So I want to stay in this vein today and... Uh, if you don't mind opening your Bibles up to Mark chapter nine, there's a famous story where Jesus has a dialogue with his disciples about serving. And I think it's preparatory work um, for what we're gonna do in a couple weeks with Serve Day, but I also think it's congratulatory work uh, because I think we're becoming this. I think that the Lord is smiling on us. It's, uh, it's you know, that famous Eric Little quote about when I run, I feel God's pleasure. I, that, I felt like that this week. I felt like when we do bold conference, we feel God's pleasure. I feel like this is one of the things, not the only thing, not the most important thing, but one of the things that we do that God's called us to do. And you guys showed up in force. And not just that you were there, but your spirit, your attitude. And so today, I'm not trying to necessarily like create something new. I think this is something that we already carry that, uh, as, a, as a church. And I'm hoping to just continue to fan it into flame. Let's just read this verse and then I'll pray. It says this, Mark chapter nine, verse 33. They came to Capernaum and when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest, which this just feels to me like your vacation this summer as a parent on the road. And then the kids are arguing and you stop and say, what are you arguing about? And they won't talk because they know they're going to get in trouble if they tell you what they're arguing about. <laughs> Verse 35, or maybe what it's going to happen to me. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. Verse 36, he took a little child whom he had placed among them. And taking the child in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. Father, we love you today. We desire to take on the identity of a servant. We desire to serve the next generation. We desire to serve our city. We desire to serve our nation and the nations of the world that they might see Jesus, that we might be your hands and your feet. So help us to voluntarily forego some of the American privileges to put status high and put serving low. And instead, help us to live like kingdom people that put serving high and status low. We honor you today and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. The disciples here are doing what we do in America where they were ranking themselves. This is just an old school bunch of dudes ranking themselves. This is what all of us guys do when we get alone with just dudes. We say, who is the best? And we're all in a subtle way trying to convince the others that we're actually better than them. So before we judge these guys too much, just know this is like every locker room. This is just oftentimes what happens. And we love ranking in America. It's what we do. We love to look at uh, all of us sports guys. We know, how, we know the rankings. We study the rankings. We care about who's on top. We don't care about who's in the top 25. 
25, we don't even notice or acknowledge. Really, we don't care about outside the top 10. We care about who's at the top. Actually, I just wanted to let you know, everybody, that uh, there's a new ranking in Kansas City just came out, according to some random poll that I read, with the number one ranked airport in America, everybody. And so, yeah, that's right. Number one ranked airport in America. Not only do we have the number one ranked barbecue and the number one ranked NFL football team and the, the champions, but we rank number one in the airport, which has been a rough area for the last 40-something years. And so... Um, uh, my friends have gone from calling our airport uh, an old bus depot to this is real nice. This is pretty sweet. And so uh, anyway, uh, it's, we, we love to rank. It's, it's part of what we do. And here's the disciples. And the disciples are actually ranking. They're at, and, and I don't know what this conversation necessarily looks like. I have no idea when you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, but you're caught by the perfect God-man uh, ranking, having a conversation about that who's the greatest? I have no idea what this looks like. This could be very intense. We don't know. Maybe they were being mean to each other. Maybe they're talking about, all right, in the future kingdom, what's this going to look like? And I don't know exactly. I think it's probably comical because this is, it's typically comical and pretty dumb I, when guys start to rank themselves. I'm picturing the moment, they've just had the moment where Peter has just been applauded by Jesus when, when, when Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, and Jesus applauds him and says, good job and kind of names him. And I think Peter's probably taken some of that and is probably leading the conversation. I don't know that for sure, but based upon everything else I see in Peter, I think that Peter's probably the most cocky one. I don't know that, but that's what, how, how I would guess. I'm also picturing the other disciples who are looking back at him saying, are you kidding me? You're going to take that moment? Do you not remember the next chapter where, or a few verses later where Jesus looked at you and called you Satan? You to bottom, baby. You, you, you to bottom. I, I imagine Judas jumping up and saying, hey, what about me? And the rest of them saying, you don't even get to vote. We're we not even considering you, Judas. Just kayate, like you out of here, you know, like, uh, I don't want to hear from Judas, right? Kind of thing. Nothing from you, brother. Um, Simon the Zealot, my guess is that Simon the Zealot was a little zealous, had something to say, thought a lot of himself. I don't know that. I don't know exactly. But if I had to guess, I would guess that John actually was quiet and probably the one that probably is the most humble. I can't tell that. Just based on the line that John talks about himself that makes me, anyway. But um, <laughs> if you're a Bible nerd, you know that John calls himself the disciple that the Lord loved, which implies more than all the others, which is, but anyway, and so, I don't know, but uh, it's, this is what they're debating. Which, who is the greatest? Who is, in our language, the goat, the greatest of all time? And that's actually what they're talking about because they're actually with Jesus and then they're talking about, okay, we're, we're here, we're gonna compare ourselves. And, and, uh, and it's interesting because then Jesus stops and he wants to have a conversation with them about the argument that they're having. And so I just see this, this in my life, this is like parenting. This is where the disciples then, uh, are trying to stay quiet. And Jesus wants to talk about a conversation that they want to hide. They want to shuffle, shuffle it away. What, what were you arguing about? But it says they didn't want to talk about it. Why? Because they knew they were going to get in trouble for it, right? They knew that this did not sound like Jesus. So for all of you parents, you know what it's like to say, we know what we're tempted to do as parents when we hear our children filled with kind of pride and arguing and fighting about who's the greatest. That, they, our, our children don't say, you know, which one's the greatest. They say, mine, give it to me. Ha ha. It just comes out in sheer rage and anger. But we've all been there. And the temptation is to just go, oh, this bugs me. <laughs> Take a screen and stop. Right. And Jesus could have done that, but Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus stops and says, all right, let's have a conversation. And, and what's going on, what's happening here is Jesus wants to dig into what's in their heart. Jesus wants to take some behavior, look at a root motive, identify the root motive, and then help them transform that. That's part of what we want to do here as the Vision of Radiant Church, rescued, transformed to be more like Jesus. And so Jesus comes at it and he takes a regular moment. And he says, let's have a conversation. You always talk about what you care about. And so there's something in your heart's that you care about where you're actually going to try to define yourself as in comparison as greater than another. And Jesus cares about those values. Jesus cares about the values of his disciples. 
And, she, and, and he still does. You're a disciple, present tense. And he still wants to have conversations about what's going on in your heart. So your temptation, just like the disciples, is to try to shuffle under the rug every time that you show rage, anger, greed, pride. And Jesus says, hey, let's you and me have a conversation about what's going on in your heart. And you tend to say, ah, Jesus, you love me. I love you. What's up? I know it's all going to work out. Just let's just stop. But Jesus says, hold on a second. Stop. And in your prayer times, when you spend time with him, just like he does with the disciples on the road, he'll have a conversation with you on the road. And he'll say, hey, let's, let's talk about that anger. Let's have a conversation. I wanna, I wanna help you with that. Actually, Jesus asked 307 questions in those three years that we have. Look at, when you look at the gospels, 307 times we have Jesus asking a question. And when he does this, he's looking at motive. He's, he's wanting to pull out what's going on inside of the heart. And you and I, he's wanting to pull out what the values are inside of the heart. Because you always talk about what you value, but what you value. You always put your money with what you value. You give your time to what you value. And so when what comes out of you is, hey, I'm, I'm better than you or I'm the greatest, Jesus is saying, let's talk about that. Um, pride is really the root here. And so James says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And Jesus is aiming at that. He's going to talk about being a servant. We all know the old preacher phrase that when pride walks in the room, Jesus walks out because we all tend to tolerate pride. And in our culture, pride is not just tolerated, but celebrated. And so our, our, it's, it's so common for you and I to tolerate pride, for you and I to not become servants. And so here Jesus uh, redefines it. He and he, Jesus gives the disciples a pathway to greatness. Which it's interesting that Jesus actually does not condemn the desire to be great. He just puts them on a separate path on how to pursue greatness. So I like the word reroute, right? Instead of pathway. Because uh, you, you and I are tempted to go on, on a pathway towards I'll, I'll, I'll post about myself. I'll talk about myself. And I will bolster myself to try to... I'll compare, try to get above others. And Jesus says, okay, that desire to be great, he doesn't come against it, but he actually gives a different pathway, a reroute. So they say, I want to be number one. I want to be number one. I want to be number one. And Jesus says, tell you what, if you will become a servant, you can all be number one, right? Everybody can be number one in the sense, if you will serve, if you'll be like him, if you'll if you'll go on into the way of serving, the first will be last. If you'll, instead of putting self first, if you'll put others first. And every time that you put others first, you're going against the culture and you're developing kingdom culture where you're showing people what Jesus is like. It's a reroute, but it is the way of greatness, but it's a different avenue. It's a different pathway. It's a different route to greatness. Now that we all have uh, the map app on our phones, we all know this idea of rerouting extremely well, right? And uh, one time, uh, Paul Barker and I were on a trip where uh, we landed in Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, we started down the wrong direction. I was driving uh, the wrong direction, and Paul was sitting shotgun next to me, and I just want you to know, um, Paul is the second nicest man on the planet. Um, for those of you who didn't know Paul, everybody loves Paul. He's like, if I were to write uh, like a banner over his life, it's the same as everybody loves Raymond, only everybody loves Paul. Like every, Paul's just loved, known, super nice. But I started to go the wrong direction. And so, uh, I, I, but I was hoping that Birmingham was like Kansas City where I could be going on a freeway and then suddenly uh, miss my exit, but then it just reroutes me. But I didn't want to have to like turn around, go off, go back and turn around. I just wanted like that, you know, that kind of moment. Well, maybe, you know, 635 will take me over. You know, one of these other freeways will just, it'll just, it'll just reroute. And it was really cold. It was really dark and it was icy. And I hated our little tiny uh, economic car that felt like it was going to crash. So I just was like, I wasn't confident in my driving. And I was just like, I just want the easiest way. I don't want to get off. I don't know if that sounds weird to you, but that's what was happening to me. I just wanted that. And so, and so I had that expectation because Kansas city is amazing. And you can do that in Kansas city. You can somehow 435 will take you anywhere you want to go. And you it, like, it's just, it's, it's a beautiful city. Birmingham is not a beautiful city. And, uh, so I found out I was just headed straight south, and every time I would go past every freeway, I'm waiting for the reroute, and it just got further and further and further and further away. And Paul said, um, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm, it'll reroute me. And he was like, uh, well, 
we're going the wrong direction. And I was like, I know we're going the wrong direction, but it'll just reroute me. And Paul, who never stops smiling, is like, <laughs> you know, and he's just nodding his head like Paul does. And, and, and I'm just David, determined and headstrong. And we are, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to turn around. I, I, and, and we just keep getting further and further, only to then have Paul say in the nicest way, here's the problem. Um, you're headed straight south and the church is headed straight north. If you keep going straight south, we will hit the Gulf of Mexico. Like, <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's really, you have to turn around. It takes a different route. No matter how much you're hoping, it's not gonna work. Many of us in this pursuit of greatness, we're just dogged determined. I will keep posting myself. I will keep talking about myself. I will, I will compare myself. And if I can't compare myself to other, these people, well, I'll just find a new group and I'll compare myself to somebody else. And the way of the kingdom is actually a reroute. It's actually saying, I'm going to take a different pathway. I'm going to a completely different way and go the Jesus way instead of the cultural way. Instead of the way of the culture that constantly rooted in pride compares rooted in self-exaltation. The way of the kingdom is, I'm gonna be like Jesus and go low. And Jesus is the one who takes on uh, the, the heart, attitude, and lifestyle of a servant that we follow. And, I, and so what I see with uh, Jesus here is Jesus is teaching them how to be servants in a time, in a culture, that would be difficult, just like it is, our, it is ours today. As we go into Serve Day coming up, uh, as you know here at Radiant, we, we, we finish up our, our spring semester in our discipleship small groups, and then we go into um, uh, our summer season where we have uh, a smaller six-week small groups, uh, and we, have, we use the summer as our primary time to really have a season of serving or a summer of serving. And so we start by serving the next generation, and then we go into serving our city. So this idea of phrase serve days, where we're, our, our, our big goal is to take our strength, our dollars, our time, and to try to serve the hurting, the poor, the broken. And so uh, in that, I, I, wanna, I, wanna, I wanna look at the life of Jesus teaching the disciples how to serve, because I think sometimes it's easy for us to do the act of serving and not have the attitude of serving. Meaning we can have the right act, and so we can go and we can put in the three hours, we can get the free t-shirt, and then we can say, all right, I did it, check. And, and, and I like that because it's better than doing nothing, but the aim is for it to be a catalyst for us to have a heart that serves, for us to be a people that serve. And so we want to be a people that identify ourselves as the identity of a servant like Christ. So let me go after some motive uh, on why we serve, how we serve, and that kind of that heart level in the serving process. Number one, we serve to point people to Jesus. That's why we serve. So we serve to go make friends. Okay, but that's not the center of the target. We serve because um, Radiant gives me a free t-shirt and I like being on the in crowd. No, that's just, that's just pride. All right, like, you know, like we, we, here's, here's what we do. We serve, here's the motive, here's the reason, here's the why. We serve to point people to Jesus. Listen to the way Jesus says this in Matthew 5. I'll quote the NIV, but I want you to hear the message in a moment because the message says it in a really fresh kind of fun way. Let me tell you why you are here. Yeah, you wanna know why you're here? Let me tell you why you're here. This is Jesus speaking. You wanna know why you're here? I'll tell you why you're here. Many people, hey, I can't figure out why I'm on earth. Just listen to Jesus. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasonings that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? Uh, you've lost your, use, your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light. The David paraphrase one day will be radiant. You're here to be radiant. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be cool if he would have just said you're here to be radiant? But anyway, you're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. That's challenging for a lot of people because a lot of people have a theology that says, I'm not the kind of person that ever goes public with my faith. I'm the person with a private, private faith. The problem is, is that that's not what Jesus commanded us to do. So just believe Jesus instead of yourself. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this. Ooh, I don't like public faith. I like private faith. That's the way it's always been. 
The moment that you go public in the public square with your faith, then people can reject you. And as long as you're not being rejected, you're comfortable. But as long as you're comfortable, then you might want to question if you really have faith at all. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make, your, if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light, on a light stand, shine. So this is why we're here. We're going here to be public with our faith. And the the New International Version says it this way. It says, so that people may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So I, I want you to shine, be a light, be radiant, so that, Jesus speaking, others might see your good deeds. You wanna know why you're here? So that others might see these good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So you are going public. Why? And there's a motive. A lot of people say, well, I just don't want to be seen. Okay. Don't, don't let all of your ideas keep you from just listening to the Sermon on the Mount and stepping into simple obedience. Jesus is who you're following. So though we live in a nation where you have freedom to do whatever you want, we follow a king and we follow his ways. So what he says, we listen to and we do. And so Jesus says, he has a role for you, for you to shine, to be bright with your deeds so that people can see God. So that um, the, the desire of our hearts is we desire for people to see the radiance in me so that people who do not know Jesus will want Jesus because they see Jesus in me. So the only way that they will see Jesus in you is if you are transformed and you're actually different than everybody else. And the behavior of what you do shows what's going on on the inside. So I love, I believe in, I love the idea of a prayer of salvation where we pray And then we say, okay, now we are saved by grace and we're disciples of Jesus. Beautiful. And over time, that starts to show fruit. Your life starts to reflect a work of Christ on the inside of you. So you become someone that does not want to be exalted, but someone that wants Christ to be exalted. And the root motive of instead of me being praised or me being exalted is I want with all this in me for Christ to be lifted up. So the deeds that I do are to point other people to Jesus. So if you've been at Radiant very long, you've heard me tell the story, which is one of my favorites, about the two Moravian missionaries that were 19 years old so many times where they left what was comfortable in Europe to go preach the gospel in the West Indies where they sold their lives into slavery. I'm not going to tell that story today. I'm just going to hit one point of it. And if you haven't heard that story, you can just tune out for just a second because this won't make sense to you. But the rest of you that know it, listen to me for a moment. In that famous phrase, which by the way, my 19-year-old son preached this week this story. And you think I cried in the announcements a moment ago. You should have seen me crying this week. All right, my 19-year-old boy preaching for the lamb. But anyway, in that phrase where these two missionaries are, are starting to be celebrated by their friends and family, they are at port pulling out. They've sold their lives to be slaves overseas so that they can take the light of the gospel to a dark place and they yell back to friends and family and they scream back. But there's an anthem that comes with a reason. When people start to say, wow, look at the sacrifice that they're making. Wow, look at this. They're giving their lives for the gospel mission globally. They're going to, and, and they yell back an anthem to take the praise off of their sacrifice and put it all onto the lamb's sacrifice. So when they yell out, may the lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering to the people that are mesmerized by the fact that they're giving up their lives, what are they doing? They're saying, all praise goes to him. All exaltation goes to Jesus. So every time that you decide, I am going to pick up a weed eater and serve people, What you're doing is you're saying, I want all praise to go back to Jesus. 
Of course, we live in a culture where everybody wants the microphone, right? Everybody wants some kind of stage or some, some online platform in order to promote self. But maybe one of the things that causes Jesus to smile so much is when we intentionally say, all right, I'm gonna push the mower or I'm going to paint a wall or I'm going to, whatever it might be, in hiddenness. And I'm gonna go and I'm gonna help people, serve people so that they see Jesus in you. We're not playing games. Hell and heaven are both realities. We have a job to do. This is not playing church, just like programming, sweet, nice little community, enjoy, have a good Sunday, you know, try not to drink too many calories and just have a good day. This is kingdom stuff where what our aim is, is to help people who are far from God actually say, why are you helping me? What are you doing? What's going on? So that the people of God can point people who don't know God to God. And so uh, I think this is a significant thing that Jesus uh, is doing inside out of us. I think Jesus is forming this identity of serving. I was telling Renata, you know, um, I felt like a celebration this week. And I feel like this sermon is more of a celebration of what God has done. Um, for us, when we had uh, four kids, we wanted to have a family, but we didn't know what our kids would be like or what they would look like. And then the kids that the Lord gave is two boys and two girls and a boy that looks like his mama and a little Adeline Grace looks like me and Justice, you know, and Liv, they look kind of like a mixture and Dawson's got, you know, this big personality and Addie sings, but we didn't know what our kids would look like, right? Or what they would be like. But after we had them, we're like, wow, thank you, God. And we were saying the same thing this week because we didn't know the church that the Lord would birth in Kansas City. But when 200, sorry, 210 people take off work and uh, I'm brokenhearted right now because I'm watching. I, I know it's, I, I'm biased because I have four teenagers, but never has there been, in my opinion, that I've seen a season in my lifetime so difficult for the formation of a teenager's mind. And I've been working with kids for a long time. And I think for Renat and I, we looked at the, ch I felt like I just looked at the church that Jesus was forming. Because we didn't know you, you didn't know us. So this is not, this is not something that the trustees or the small group leaders or the staff or, could form. This is just like a wave of revival that we just jump on and say, look what the Lord is doing. God is at work. Look at the church that is taking on the identity of a servant. Look at that lady who has so much she could be doing this week to earn money, to go play, to go do whatever. Look at that man who has a, works that normal job and works that business and could be out starting a new business. Could, and look at the way that they have decided to spend a week serving these young people. And I, 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 think, I, think, I think that we experienced God's smile. I think that we're in a place where we're taking on the attitude and the heart. A, a second idea is we serve with no hidden agenda. People, nobody ever thinks they have a hidden agenda. Everybody would say, I'm serving just to serve the lamb, just to serve Jesus. It's really good to come before Jesus and get honest. Sometimes it's easy to have a, an ulterior motive. Actually, when we see the disciples, Judas had a hidden agenda, a hidden motive, and it came out. Sometimes we're serving, and we think I'm following, and, but deep down, we've developed entitlement. We want applause. We think we, uh, we should get a certain, a certain something that we're not getting, and it's very easy to take service unto the Lamb, serving unto Jesus, and our motives switch to an ulterior, some kind of tainted motive. One of the things I love about this church is I feel like I see the, the so many that will show up and say, I'll do whatever. It's that lyric that the worship team sing, sing all the time. I'll serve anywhere. Just put your glory in me. What that phrase is, I'm not doing this for what I get. I'm doing this for the lamb. And every time that you start to feel like, I don't know if I have the strength to give or to serve 
or to sacrifice anymore. The way to refuel that serve is to look at the ultimate suffering servant, Jesus, and what he gave and how he became the servant of all. And so every time that you start to feel like, I don't feel like I've got much to give anymore. I don't feel like I, I can create much margin, much margin. Go back, get, get out your prayer journal, spend some time with Jesus and just say, Jesus, help me see again afresh what you did on the cross. Help me see again what it, what it meant that though you were rich, yet for my sake you became poor, that through your poverty I might become rich, have eternal life, have, have the Spirit of God at work inside of me. So I once lived in darkness, but now I live in light. I once lived in these addictions, but now I live in freedom. And Jesus, it's because of you that I have capacity and strength. Because of you, I have energy. I have ideas. In a, in a market where I have the ability to, to, to develop my gifts and have goods and services where I can develop an income or in a market where, in a place where I have um, a body uh, that you've given me to use to go. So every, all of my time is actually yours and all of my talent is actually yours and all of my treasure is actually yours. And I want to hear you whisper to me what my next step could be to serve, to go low. And that's hard. And sometimes it's even easy to, at the root of serving, have it be, the root actually be pride. Sometimes greed. Sometimes, instead of just giving to give, like, this is a silly illustration. I'm making it up spontaneously right now. It might not work. But instead of just like, I'm just throwing like a Frisbee where I'm just throwing it. I just want it to go, I give you everything. I'm giving all to Jesus. It's like we want a boomerang, you know? We want to come all the way back around, and I get, I get blessed a little bit. I get, I, you know, like I get, I get something out of it. Uh, Zinzendorf said, preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. That is so hard in American culture. Be forgotten. No, 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 no. At least I need somebody to like engrave my name on something somewhere. Preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. But here's the vision of Christianity. It's, well, John the Baptist said, he must become greater. I must become less. Culture says opposite. You become greater. Stop talking about God so much. Be practical. Be realistic. Check the church box, but that's all you want to do. The problem is that creates a bunch of religious people that don't know God and they have a form of godliness, but they have no power. And so our aim is to be honest with Jesus. Let him stop you on the road. What are you arguing about? What are you talking about? What's in your heart? Hey, 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 no, no, no. What's, it, what's, what's your real agenda? I'm just being real. You, you listen to the disciples arguing about who's gonna be the greatest. There was a day they left their nets, we will follow. There are <clears throat> some moments like in John 6, where else will we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. And yet Jesus caught this moment where he's like, oh, I'm feeling a little something, something that, 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 that isn't pure. And it grows in all of us. All of us grows in me. I, 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 this, I'm preaching to myself, everybody, because it is so easy for me to go, I'm serving you, I'm serving you. And then wake up and find, I've got a weed that I got to pull out of a motive that looks on the outside like Christ-likeness. It's, it's got all the uh, celebration, of, but there's, I've allowed some, some pride or some, some revenge or some greed inside of me. We all do it. And so we come back and we go, okay, 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 okay. Jesus, I'm your servant. Jesus, I must decrease. You increase. What does it look like for you to increase in my life? Last idea is this. Um, Jesus says right here in this text, we serve each person as if we are serving Jesus. So this is that moment where he says, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. So Jesus, the great master teacher who probably just sees a child goes over and says, hey, here's a kid. First century, this child is low. Uh, even more than we... I think our culture honors children, from what I read about, far more than that culture, right? So Jesus was saying, here's a child that's low. This child can't do anything for you. This child can't, 
It's not a boomerang. You can't come back and you're nice to somebody, but oh, but then they, they invite you to their house or they get, help you with a business project. And I'm, I'm going to pick out who I talk to so that I can talk to the people that I'm going to get something out of it. Or I'm going to serve people that somehow I get something out of it. Or I'm going to give to something that I get something. No, no, no. Jesus takes a child, potentially the kind of person that you give to give. You serve to serve. And they can't sacrifice. They it's just giving unto the least, which by the way, I think is a perfect example of what we've done this last week and what we're going to do uh, on July 15th on Serve Day. It's our aim and our goal. It's just Jesus, Christ-likeness. We want to be pure vessels, lay our lives down. Jesus, we want to contend for the hearts of a generation. We, want, we, we, will, we will go to battle for the affections of their heart. Jesus, we live in a time where there's people that are hurting, broken, and we're going to go and serve them and help them. And it's probably true for, for the 210 of you that served this week, or for those of you that gave uh, above your offerings to Bull Conference, which was amazing, by the way. Uh, my guess is, is that uh, th these thousand kids will never, never thank you. Like, I just don't think that the, you, you, there you are and you're checking bracelets, you're singing, uh, singing on the platform, you're running a camera, or you're running security, you know, which was so fun to see, like, all the men in our church just get to flex, like, literally get to flex for the Lord um, <laughs> this week. And I'm telling you, we had way more security than we needed, like, on that front line, because it was just these, like, buff men, like, you know, they're like, Jesus, <laughs> I knew this is all for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, but those kids, they, they're, they're, I mean, they're gone. They're on buses. Like the chances are they're never going to, your, your bank account's never going to be benefited from what you gave this week. They're never going to look you up on social media and be like, hey, dude, you were the security guard. Man, I think you saw, they're just gone. It's just, it's just pure motive. And Jesus says in Matthew 25, um, he tells a parable about the sheep and the goats. And he talks about whatever you've done for the least of these, you've done unto me. Right here, when you've done it for a kid, you've done it unto me. With the goat, whatever you've not done, you've not done for me. And so every time that we serve on serve day, where we go, and some of you, you'll get to serve day, and you'll just you'll just smile and you'll just thank God because you were somehow given a project site with air conditioning and there's like free Diet Coke and there's, you know, um, really good looking people all around you that uh, sing beautiful songs and there's music on and, and your whole job is to like paint a wall and it's just a little, it's, and there's some of you and you'll be like, ah, oh, this project, this is, my, this is my speed. Some of you will get a project where you're like out in a field. It's hot. It's July in Kansas City. You'll buy yourself with a chainsaw. Scared you're going to accidentally chop off a limb. And it's hard. And no matter the project, no matter if it's easy, hard, here's our, we're not, it's not about the people that, we're grateful for all the secondary blessings, but here's, we're doing this for a person. It's Jesus. So we're thinking about everybody that we're serving at those schools, everybody in that, in that, in that the, the, the river of refuge where we're helping people with their housing, everybody that we're helping who's experienced abuse, everybody that needs a meal, everybody that we can, we can mow a yard or cut a branch or paint a wall where we're just saying we are going to be the hands and feet of Jesus to the hurting. Jesus, you were the servant first. You showed us the way and our aim and our goal. I love a fun community day. Let's go. It'll be so much fun. I, I, I think it's great. I love all the secondary things, but here's the thing we want to do. We want to be like Jesus, point people to Jesus. 
So they say, what is it about them? So that we believe we're in a real spiritual battle, they might know Jesus. Amen? I want to take a moment, and we just want to remember Jesus as our ministry moment today and partake of the elements together. So if you have them, you can go ahead and grab these. And as we go to love people this week, I feel the smile of God. I feel like when we go bold conference last week, serve day a week from Saturday, July 15th. I just feel like what I was trying to say is that I feel like we're, I feel like a lot of the time when we were, as we were starting Radiant Church, I was like, we could be this one day, we could be this one day. But I, I just feel like we're in this moment where like we've become this. We're growing, we want to get better. But guys, we've, we've, I, I just, I had people this week that they were like, couldn't believe the, our, the dream team. It's just in shock. I, I don't want to be cruel when I say this, but literally I did this for 20 years before we started this church. And I've never seen, I've, it's incredible. I had this week, I had um, this pastor from Chicago. Uh, he's got his doctorate, he studied at Oxford. And he came up to me and he was like, hey David, I have this idea, something I wanna do for your 13 year old son, Justice. And I, my jaw dropped, I was like, what? And he's like, oh yeah, I just had this idea. The Lord gave me this idea. I just kind of sensed it and was, as I was praying and I want to do this for justice. And I was like, I, I, I could not believe uh, like what happened in my heart for Dr. Daryl Merrill. Like in that moment, I just, I just, I mean, I was just moved. I was just like, gratitude, closeness, enjoyment. Why? Because he did a tangible, kind thing for somebody that I love, my boy. I think that's God's heart on serve day. I think every time we go in, just some, someone you don't even know that doesn't have housing, needs a meal. I think God's heart just swells because you love someone he loves. Gabe, tangibly, for, for a person that you might not even hardly know, but he loves with infinite love. Jesus, we come before you today. We thank you for your life, the suffering servant who embodied serving and went to a cross for us. And today, as we celebrate what you've done this week at Bold, as we look forward to the chance to serve our city, as we aim to be a radiant summer, a summer of serving, a summer of being a light, shining bright, voluntarily foregoing some pool time or foregoing some business time in order to point people to you. We just could never thank you because you, you're the one that loved us first. You went to a cross and you died in our place for our sin. Your body was broken, bruised, beaten on our behalf. Your blood was shed. We'll never get over it. And today as a church, we remember Jesus. Take the bread. Take the cup. Jesus, we're yours. You're the lamb, you're the worthy one. We're your servants. We're not just volunteers. No, we're servants. We're bond servants. That's what Paul says. I'm a bond servant. We're a slave by choice. We have decided to follow you. Today, if you're in the room, maybe 
you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life and receive salvation from the Lamb who was slain on your behalf. You can begin a journey as a follower. You can have eternal life, not based on your own merit, not based on good deeds that you do, but based on who he is and what he did for you. If you'd like to become a part of the family of God today, I'd like to invite you to take a step by praying this prayer. Just at your seat, right where you're at. This is the most important thing you could do with your life. This is better than a big house or paycheck or influence. This is what lasts for eternity. And Jesus desires relationship with you. And here's how you start that journey. Begin by saying, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I give you my life. Make me a new person. Save me and rescue me from sin, from being the Lord of my own life. I can't do it. I don't want to do it anymore. So I change my ways. Would you change my heart? Would you make me a new person? And would you give me eternal life? I give you all. Be my Lord today. Amen. Let's stand together. If you prayed that prayer, we want to invite you to go on the journey with us by letting us know that you made that decision so that we can help you, resource you, connect you. A way you could do that is fill out the connection card that's in your seat or digitally on our website or that QR code that's on that connection card. There's a place. We have some Bibles right up here at the front. If you'd like to come and take one of those Bibles. In a moment, we'll have a prayer team. One of the best things you could do is come up and tell somebody up here, I made a decision to follow Jesus. Our prayer team would love to pray with you. We'd love to help you on the journey as a disciple of Jesus Christ. All right, before we go, we're gonna give together. Father, we come before you. It's our delight and our joy to give. We gather together on the first day of the week, on a Sunday, and we celebrate the resurrected Savior. And we give, Lord Jesus, joyfully. We take that for our first and our best every month, and we give to you, Lord Jesus, our first and our best. And we ask, Lord Jesus, multiply it. Just like you took the bread and the fish and you multiplied it. God, I pray that you would multiply these dollars so that we can rescue more teenagers. Lord Jesus, so that we can rescue more people in Kansas City. Lord God, so we can see people that have never heard the gospel have the Bible translated into their language around the world. God, help us. We need you. We just want to be a kingdom people doing kingdom things in our generation in Kansas City. So we pray your kingdom come, your will be done. Use us. We want to be real Christians. We don't want to fake it. We don't want to just do a little church life. We want whatever authentic Christianity is. We want that with a whole heart. So Jesus, use it. Multiply it. Supernaturally multiply it. I just pray, I pray double, double how many teenagers we reach next year. God, double how many people we can serve. God, help us, help us reach people around the world, far beyond what we're doing now. 